I'm Jason Bailey-Losh, and you're listening to Seeing is Forgetting, conversations on contemporary art and culture in Los Angeles and beyond. Max Maslansky is our guest today. He is a fixture on the Los Angeles art scene. He's a painter, a curator, and he has a radio show on Kechung, the local radio station here focused on the arts. He was kind enough to have me on that radio show last year, and I thought it was time to turn around the favor and bring him back on to speak about his practice and how he goes about thinking about the interviews that he does with people. I think one of the most interesting things that comes out of this conversation is what it's like to go in and learn about somebody else's practice and how you relate that back to your own work. He's funny, incredibly generous, and an all-around nice guy. So here's Max. Max, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Jason. It's a pleasure. I feel like we've come full circle since I had you on my show. I felt like it was appropriate. Yes, absolutely. Right. When I saw that you were starting your podcast, I, I immediately was like, oh, we have a young upstart here. And I, and I mentioned, those of you who didn't see that, I, I was like, oh, I got competition now. And then Jason, in a great... Like like the great master of the Senate, Lyndon B. Johnson, he reached across the aisle <laughs> and invited me over, which is great. Well, I think it's just, uh, it's not that it's expected, but it's like uh, cordial, right? Yeah, yeah. It's very cordial. Very, very cordial. So I'm, I'm very... Um, and we had, a, we had a nice conversation anyway. Yeah, we, we really did. I mean, and how often is it that people actually get to talk in depth for an hour or two hours or whatever it is? Like, <laughs> very few people get to do that. In, unless it's you who does it every week. Yeah. Unle- or unless like you, you have s- some you know, needling curiosity about people you see fairly often but don't know anything else aside from the general, how well, are you? This was one of the reasons I, I wanted to start. Well, l- let's go back a little bit. Sure. One of the main reasons I wanted to start is because I had such a great conversation with you when we were talking. I remember we were at the Rob Pruitt flea market and I was like, dude, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever have a spot that opens up, let me know because I'll totally come back on anytime. But I was thinking to myself, not, I was like, why am I waiting for like a thing to open when I, I just want to talk? Yeah, grab the bull by the horns. So let's, let's start by sort of, I want to know why you started doing the radio show that you do on K-Chung. Okay, um, I think I started it out of uh, a general fascination with the radio format. I love the interview format, all of the same shows that many of you have listened to are the same ones I did. Like I, I listened to Studs Turkel. I listened to um, Fresh Air. I would listen to other podcasts of artists being interviewed. And I always had that fascination with it. And back in the early 2000s, there was a scam, which I hoped it wasn't a scam, but there was like, do you want it? Like I saw an ad, it was like, do you want to be on the radio? <laughs> like, do you want to have your own radio station? So I went to this thing because I guess I had expendable time. And wait, I, wait, it was like a, a meet at the Hilton Hotel type thing or what was it? Was it was like some kind of weird office in West Hollywood and you, oh, you like paid like $10 <laughs> and 
I know. It's not, I mean, I can't. It sounds believe- like one of those porn things where they get people to come in and audition, and it's really a porno. Yeah, and I'll get to the audition. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we show up, and there's like you know, twenty other rubes in the room. You know, me included. And the guy cynically started to explain how people love to talk about how lo- themselves. How long ago was this? Oh, we're talking twelve years ago. This is like two thousand four. Okay. I just moved back to Los Angeles for graduate school at CalArts, and I had some free time, so I decided. Oh, I. If there's any way to get on the radio, maybe this is it. Because everybody knows you have plenty of free time during graduate school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought, I thought yeah, yeah, it'll, I can maybe uh, work on being a radio star and a graduate student at the same time. Not a problem. Career um, trajectory. Right? Yeah. So the, we, we sit through the lecture and, and then they ha- have us audition, which I, I later realized I'm pretty sure that they, the, the, all the equipment was off. Like we were, we were not talking into anything. <laughs> Okay, so they had everyone file into a line and walk one by one into what looked like a regular radio station, and they had you read this copy for an ad for like dull packaged foods or something like that. And you read it, and you, you there's no headphones, there's no monitor, you don't hear a thing. You just you you basically feel like you're talking to dead air. And I left, and I felt like wow, that I was if that if I could have been duped harder, I don't know how. What was know? the point? Like you paid for this. You pay ten dollars. That you know, probably overall, that that organization probably made like three hundred bucks. A the good day. profit. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> a tidy profit. Um, anyway, so like when I found out that years later, ten years later, when I found out that Saul Bothwell had started K Chung, I immediately tracked him down on Facebook, and I was like, "Give me a show. How do I do it? Give who, it to me." Who is Saul? Like, what? I mean, he started K Chung, but what is his? Do you know his history? Like, I don't know his history, but I do understand that he comes. He went to UCR. He was a phil- philosophy major there. How old is he? Uh, he's younger. I think he's not even 30 yet. So I think he's... In oh my way. gosh, seriously? Yeah, he's a young, young dude. Um, he might be 30 now. I'm not sure. So how long ago did he start this? He started it in 2000... I like early say. 20s? Is how old he was? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think he might have started it like technically in 2011, 2012. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, he just... I think he started it kind of on a bet. <laughs> Like, he just wanted to see if he could create a terrestrial radio station. It was, you know what it was? It was one of those things where he's like, I bet you I can get a bunch of these rubes in here to, like, be DJs. And they'll be lined up for the next 12 years. I bet I can get uh, 20 hipsters to set up a, a radio show. Yeah, basically, it's like Max and the Mad Dog Hour. Like, I wanted just to just to create, like, an outlet for myself. Like, anyone needs a hobby. I felt like radio was a perfect hobby for me. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to mention this, too. I heard you had you just did another podcast. Uh, Michael Shaw has a arts podcast called right. the, the, yeah. the Conversation Podcast. Right. So I was listening to that, and you mentioned that you started wanting to sort of do humor. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a huge fan of The Best Show. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. No. It, it, it was on WFMU for many, many years for most of the... But two- you, you grew up here. So yes, right. yes, but I, I I found out about it through another uh, East Coast transplant who lives here, and we would listen to it and 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 giggle with each other and talk about the show all the time, and it be kind kind of became like this like sort of tightly knit world of characters that anyone could fall in love with, and I thought oh I'll just do a stupid spin off of that in my own way with my art friends, but I quickly realized that you know to find like a, a so called comedic partner is very difficult, and also just someone who's willing to commit to the, the, the oh the so you wanted energy. to do a duo type thing or find a multiple group of them or just like find find i i think i was a little bit pollyannish and thinking i could riff in the way i really wanted to riff with with different people when yeah. everyone's very built in a very different way especially if you're not a trained performer <laughs> like most artists are like they're not usually used to to like being on 
Wait, did your was it during your radio show that that guy called in and I had to talk to him on the phone? Possibly. It's, you you were on relatively recently when I stopped having people call in because I just felt like I just wanted to talk to people in in a, in a meaningful way. And so of, was that in a in a way to sort of get to some humor or add in some like unexpected? Uh yeah. I thought like oh I could you know maybe out of insecurity I thought like oh I won't have enough to talk about with someone in a meaningful way so I'll just throw in some some silly jokes. Well, this shit of, isn't easy. It isn't easy, and I thought oh I could just like sort of you know punctuate dead air with with a call or you know some kind of bit that I would have worked out beforehand but I quickly realized like this is way too much energy and I'm not a natural comedian like like I remember you know the the senator Al Franken yeah I think I heard an interview with Zach Galifianakis the comedian Al Franken yes now a senator and he's and uh, uh I think Zach when Zach Galifianakis was starting out he like somehow met him and and he told him that he wanted to be a comedian and Al Franken said well I just want to let you know that like you're probably not funny, <laughs> which I think is kind of like a great way to, to teach someone what they're up against. And, and also sort of funny. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, I mean, I, I guess. Like, the, wait, wait, wait. Are you kidding with me? Is this a joke? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, especially if you're if you're, you know, you're trained on the idea of going up and in, uh, in front of people and making them laugh on command. I mean, that's a that's a steep order right there. Well, when I heard this, it was interesting, too, because um I consider you a humorous dude. You enjoy sure. levity. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love to laugh and I love to make jokes and stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm like... You should be on the radio telling jokes. If you shove a mic jokes. in my hand, I'll make you laugh on command like no. a good comedian yeah, yeah, should. Yeah, yeah. So I knew I'm not that kind of dude. So I figured, okay, I better slightly uh, move this show in a, in a, in a more um, productive direction. Like I just said earlier, like, you know, how many times in a week, month, year do you get to talk to someone in a meaningful way for an hour? Because um, you can shoot the shit anywhere. You can shoot the shit at a bar. You can shoot the shit at an opening. But you know, to actually sit down and get to know someone a little better than you otherwise might not is is great. Have you know? a meaningful conversation. I mean, it, it is one of the reasons I was thinking about your show and how you had that opportunity to do that. And when I was thinking about, I didn't have enough opportunity to have the conversations I wanted to have with the people that I thought I was going to get the information from that would be totally help help my practice grow as yeah, an artist. Totally. And and I didn't. You know, you never know where it's going to come from. Yeah, absolutely. You never know. So to pull in such a wide range and not just sort of stick to the cluster of people that you're sort of used to. Yeah, exactly. An, that's an another thing. That's another thing. Like you can't just call that dude or woman that you sort of know for over for a beer. It's just awkward. Oh, but, it's totally, everyone, but everyone likes the idea of, of learning. I've done that. <laughs> I do really? that. You I do a- do that. No, I do that. Like I, there have been times when I have been... I've got myself in a little bit of trouble. I'll be like to an art advisor, "Hey, do you want to do you want to go get a drink?" Right. Like some and like the art advisor, I think Jason just asked me out. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. no, I just want to have a conversation. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, it can go that way. It can go that way. Like, especially if they don't know you and they don't know you're married and have children. Well, maybe even more a reason for them to think that. No, that exactly. Can... But even on top of that, like they don't know. I, I just want to like. I just want to go have a conversation. Like, this is awesome. Let's, right. Right. Let's yeah. Talk about this. Shit. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of actually weirdly in this culture a very rare thing to want like everyone always thinks you have an ulterior motive yes absolutely yeah and i and i'm I'm guilty of this too like when someone asks me to to like hang out and i don't know them that well i'm always like all right what's well because yeah there's a reason for that it's because there is a precedent for people wanting shit when they ask you to like go out yeah yeah exactly so everyone's always like so everyone kind of has like for one reason or another like a certain amount of 
The walls uh, are up. The walls are definitely up all the time. And so what better way to bring them down, at least somewhat, is with a radio show. Because people like, I mean, I'm not saying everyone's narcissistic, but everyone really does like talking about themselves and everyone really Self-promotion, does. Self-promotion, yeah. It's not only that self-promotion, but excavating thoughts and ideas that otherwise might not have come up. Well, getting shit off their chest a little bit, too, yeah. which is totally a weird experience because it's being recorded. Yeah, I know. And it's, and, and my show's live. I don't edit it. So it's it's uh, it, to some people that's a bit scary. But I found that for the most part, I, 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 I make people pretty comfortable well, pretty quickly. Yes, you do. Yeah. The, the bonus you have, though, is because it's live, you don't get in. I've had multiple sessions now. I've recorded a bunch of these so far. And on multiple, people have been like, oh, man, I can't can't believe I said that such and such. Mm-hmm. And you're like. If we're if we're worried about it, we can go back. We can edit it. It's not a big deal. Right, right, right. And that's why I don't dig for dig for dirt too much. I do, I try show. not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some people like to do that, and it, and it is it makes it un- it could be really uncomfortable really quickly. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't need that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the art world, as we all know, has tons of of weird dirt and gossip and. I don't know. I mean, I feel like people do that enough on their own time. You don't need to do it on a, on a show. No, absolutely not. And I think the main thing too is making the person that you're sitting across from feel comfortable, but also look intelligent you don't want to put them in a place where they feel like they've been compromised in any way absolutely yeah you got to be careful yeah and and you know this is another thing I, I mean i i've 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 thought about like trying to invite people that i that i'm scared of having on my show because you don't know what they're going to say because either a i don't know what they're going to say or how they're going to be or you know things i know about them are things that i might not necessarily feel comfortable with yeah like that's something i'm trying to build up to like can i invite someone on the show that 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 i have like maybe an ethical issue with something that they've done oh. or, or maybe like uh, a position that they're taking that makes me feel really weird or I don't know. I mean, that's uh, still kind of something I'm, I'm building up to because I feel like that is where the ultimate interview really is where you can actually sort of like confront uh, something that you may not necessarily feel comfortable with, but, but at the end of the day, maybe even respect that position and learn from it. You want to be uh, uh, gracious and you want to not feel like you're, trapping bus, and trapping yeah. your your guest yeah, yeah. And, it, and that can be really tricky like actually a perfect example of this is any of you who listen to wtf with uh, wtf with mark maron yeah yeah, yeah. uh did you ever hear the gallagher episode no was it horrible? oh uh yeah it went bad i mean gallagher walked off because uh, mark maron confronted gallagher about some racial comments that he made and gallagher got really defensive very quickly well and, i i would imagine and right? was incensed and walked off i don't know if Mark Maron maybe should have brought it up, but I felt like as as a you know a conscious objector, he he probably should have anyway. Yeah, just may I don't know. I can't remember whether the way he brought it up was aggressive or not. I think he was as ginger as one possibly could be, but Gallagher was just way reactive very quickly, and it just kind of blew up from there. The art world's different because I don't know. I feel like most of us are preaching to the same choir, so it's kind of hard to find an issue. You think? May I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, you are way too congenial, man. <laughs> I mean, there was one. There was one uh, person that that like unfriended me on on Facebook after it, uh, uh, because of the Clinton Bernie Sanders divide. Yeah, thing. yeah, 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 yeah. I got into. Oh, it. in okay. So I want to talk social media with you as yeah, well, yeah. too. By the way, I had and I had a big open studio here once with a uh, an organized event essentially by right. another party, not by me. And uh, I had a bunch of people in, really good collectors and sort of curators and that type of thing and i had an art advisor unfollow me the day after they came to the studio and like saw the work and i was like whoa oh that's Jesus. intense 
I was like, what, what did I do? <laughs> or what didn't I do? Did I not say hello? Or was the work that bad? Or like, could you not have waited a week? Which, internet, <laughs> which, which, which platform was this Instagram or was it was it? Instagram. See, this is my thing with Instagram guys. I, I feel like, you know, some people really want their feed clean in a certain way. And it may not necessarily be personal. Like you just want your feed clean because it always comes up. Yeah, because you, maybe, and you can't stop seeing stuff. Yeah, you can't stop seeing stuff. And maybe there's something about your feed that you only want to see a particular kind of thing. So it may not have been personal to you at all. Actually, could have just been like, oh, like I like Jason and his work, but I just want my feed to be about bananas. Yeah, but Do you know I, what I mean, uh, like, I got to tell you, I don't need that. <laughs> and I know I know that person did not like bananas. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I know what you're doing, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, you I don't know. fool me. And to I this know. day, I'm like, mm-hmm. I know. The unfollow is sort of like the, the, I, well, the modern day glove slap. I have, a, I have a goddamn app that tells me when people unfollow me. Really? You do? Oh, hell yes. Oh, my God. So then I unfollow them immediately after they unfollow me. Wow. Vengeful unfollowing. <laughs> well, I'm just like, I don't need, I don't, can't waste time on that. <laughs> Because every time, because then what happens, and it's not like I'm mean or anything. It's just like, I will see their name pop up in my feed then. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. Like, I can't even deal with that. And it just, it, it's not that I don't want to like it. It's reasonably, sometimes I do. It's that it makes me feel bad about myself in this really horrible way. There's yeah, this whole yeah. thing about like social media where it makes you very self-conscious about wanting to be liked mm-hmm. in, in this way that like is not healthy at least for me but i feel like it's a it's a format that i can actually reach out and talk to people that i wouldn't of otherwise which Mm -hmm. is good and bad i don't know you are very active yeah i would say yeah yeah but what's the what's the deal with that man what's the impetus Um, well because you have two two separate things so you have two very separate feeds in my mind right you have a, a sort of a facebook persona and you have an instagram persona right yeah so, and I also have a Twitter persona, which no one follows, but that's, that's well, another that's, story. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's uh, Julianne Sky at Twitter. I and think. it's completely separate? Yeah. I mean, I don't How the hell it. do you find time for three separate persona online? Pretty I mean, I have a desk job three days a week at a gallery. Which you're working at constantly. And when you take a break, that's when you have time for social media. Yeah. Yeah. Like some people might like, you know, <laughs> get rid of that hangnail they've been uh, yeah, you know, frustrated no, I about. I'm the, I mean, I'm the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so let's start with one of the feeds, though, Instagram. Well, the Instagram feed just comes out of just a general fascination with images. And I had been doing that on Facebook actually years ago. I think uh, we didn't know each other at the time, but I was posting all these images in very specific orders on Facebook. And I got a kind of a good reaction out of it. Sort of curated or what? It was definitely curated. I even made it at one point an additioned book. Okay, so to give the listeners sort of an explanation of like what you do on Instagram, they're very... um, They're just eccentric images of sometimes, well, I'll let you explain. Well, they're just like, it could be anything. I mean, as opposed to the earlier Facebook, it was like very rigorously curated. Like I would curate on formal properties. I would curate on narrative properties. Everything was sort of like a, a, a tautology. Everything sort of morphed very slightly. So you might have a group of images curated together just based on formal properties in the image. And then it would sort of like the last image of the formal properties would have maybe like a racist component. And then the next image would then build upon a, a racist narrative that was then 
But yeah. everything fed into everything else. Did you have a, yeah. a time frame where you were like, you posted these at a certain time and everything? Or was it just based on when you were finding it for yourself? It was just like uh, a binge. It was binge. And was it helping you through your practice? It was helping me through a, a, a difficult time in my life where I was vi- I was unemployed. My 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 own work, my, my artwork was like in a weird Just place. stalled. Just stalled. I just didn't know where I was going. I, I had parted ways with a gallery like, two or three years before isn't that a bitch uh, yeah it is that hurt, it it, it hurts um and then I, I had a uh my current partner she was uh living abroad so i was kind of alone so it was just like a weird time and then so i just thought like oh i'll just kill time doing this and i realized i really liked doing it and i got a rile out of an audience from it so my instagram feed is basically an extension of that but it's not nearly as rigorous as it used to be i mean it's very random but it's interesting. I'm glad it's interesting, and it's I, it's I, really I like unexpected. Inter- Everything's sort of unexpected. Do you, yeah, um, I like I like being sweet and kind of uh, almost sentimental in some, and I also like being very harsh and kind of surprise, you know, kind of shocking. And then I like being kind of just beautiful in another. I mean, it's kind of all over the place. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the early um, so before Instagram essentially, and before Facebook sort of blew up with these these posts that weren't necessarily about personal personal things. It reminds me of early sort of blog posts like iHeartPhoto or VVORK. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Right? And yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that that website. And, yeah. yeah. Okay, that so uh, it's still, um, they have the archive online, but that was really, when I was going through grad school, that was a, a website, VVORK, it was at work? Yeah. It was called work, yeah. but it's VVORK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of conglomerate of artists who put things together, but what they were doing was sort of interesting and sort of, I compared it to like what you were doing in your early Facebook was that they were f- <laughs> early Facebook? I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know it's a thing. Uh, they they were feeding off of so like one would loop into the other and you'd sort of like build up this chain and it would like follow itself. Right. But what I found incredibly interesting about that is the world got smaller in this weird way where you could see like somebody would post like who who, who the hell knows like damning her skull photos or whatever. I it's it was mm-hmm. much more interesting than that. But then they start posting like early Matthew Day Jackson skull and right. then early and but then all over the world type stuff like mm-hmm. somebody in a, in a completely different region where you'd see these trends start popping up. But it wasn't necessarily because of uh, art fairs, because those weren't gigantic. Then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was just because these people were thinking of the same things and how they sort of related to each other and flowed into this natural conversation. It was really. Yeah. Sort of a, a beautiful. I, I really look forward to it every day. I used to go to it. Yeah. 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 I, I, I remember going to that blog every day. That was actually a very tasteful blog. I always felt like I was like almost wanting to make people throw up on purpose. Well, your shit. Time. Well, on Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook. Your shit on Instagram isn't very tasteful either. I'll no, tell you it's that. it's not. No, no. <laughs> I have a. I, I'm clearly like I'm clearly incredibly desensitized at this point. Do you think you're desensitized? Or are you actually trying to get a reaction? Uh, probably both. Yeah, a mixture of right. both. You know, I mean, there's 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 things that I've seen that I can't unsee. And uh, I probably like Bjarne Melgard's Instagram feed. Yeah, I had to unfollow that. I had to unfollow it too. Yeah, it's and too he's much. got banned like eight times. Yeah, and every time it's like <laughs> I follow and I'm like, oh my god, no. Yeah, he's abject. That that dude. He's De- he's desensitized. Yeah, he's full on. Uh, I, I yeah, I don't want to uh, sort of you know uh, speculate, but I have a feeling he's on another he's on another frequency. That dude. Yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. the work the work seems that way too, in, yeah. in a good way sometimes. Yeah, totally. Sometimes, totally, <laughs> totally agree. <Yeah. laughs> like, yeah. oh, that's funny. Okay, so we actually haven't mentioned the name of your radio show. Oh, it's called Riffin on on K-Chan. Yeah, 
how long have you been doing it? Oh, I would say already three and a half years, four years now. It's a long time, dude. It's a I ton know. of work. I know. I the thing is though, I'm like super you're you seem to be like you're like a super worker bee in comparison to me, I feel like, because you got the table happening here. You got like the setup. Like, I don't think I could, I don't know if I was, if I didn't have Kate Chung, I would be able to bring myself to do it. But I feel like I, I do some research with my guests. I like, I do a little, some footwork there, but really I just come to it almost like I'm completely improvising going in. It's I'm yeah. going in completely blind. So there's not a whole lot of pre preliminary work happening there. And then I don't do any post-production because I'm not editing. So the, it's not like uh, it it's not a ton of time spent on the back end. No, I mean, it's, sometimes it can be just in terms of like the socialization part and, you know, uh, getting there on time and and all that. But it is it's a commitment either way. Oh, we yeah. uh, let's go into your Facebook feed. Oh, sure. Very political. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, recently with everything that's going on, did you back off a bit? I backed off since the since a little bit since the, the person who uh, unfriended me. Kind of made me realize, like, not necessarily that I don't want to alienate uh, Clinton supporters necessarily, but I also kind of felt like, ah, this is I'm I'm getting too worked up about it myself. Like, I I need to I need to cool off. You can see it. Yeah, not necessarily with you, but like yeah. people online getting sort of in a frenzy about these things. It's very upsetting. Yeah, I mean, there's this whole thing about I'm sure all of you are aware of the the Bernie bro thing, which I I feel like it's it, that's a bit amorphous amorphous of a term because if you say to someone, oh, you're a hipster, no one's ever gonna cop up to it cop, uh, yeah you know cop to that so i i'm not sure what a bernie bro is but i i don't i don't feel like it's fair to kind of um, well essentially it's like a white middle class dude right so <laughs> like you're yeah. screwed yeah exactly you're pretty much you can just take the headphones off now and just sort of slink <laughs> back into the corner real quick yeah exactly i mean i went to a bernie rally the other day and um i was kind of like disappointed with the, the I mean, whiteness the well there was definitely <laughs> a lot of whiteness happening but it, there were a lot of latinos there and and that's about it I really mean, this is this, i went to the east la rally maybe the west side one was different but but yeah i i don't know i mean i've never been a, a particularly political person and b- making art is in itself a, a political act to me but i don't necessarily feel like i've been uh, doing enough about the sad state of the world so i don't know facebook was just like an outlet i don't claim to to have enacted any change other than <laughs> cause myself to have one less f- digital friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, this is the thing. This is the thing, uh, guys. I mean, every time I'm sure everyone's tried this once, like try to engage someone in a dialectic about an issue. You never change their mind on ever. social media or yeah, just in on general. social media and never. maybe in person ever really rare. Nobody, everybody, I feel like is emotionally invested in their position and their ego is invested in the position. And then at that point, it's not a logical thing. They're just invested in being correct. And, uh, and when you're there, it, you can, you'll never change anyone's mind, especially when you're on a political. Well, also thing. there's no, you don't have that intensity of like actual physical conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I still, I always kind of think like what happened? Why doesn't, anyone want to engage in a Socratic conversation where you almost want the other person to prove you wrong. You want them to prove you wrong. So you can learn something. Everyone's a little smarter at the end of the day, but no, uh, I feel like, but also I, another thing about through social media, what I realized is like, there's always a set of facts that everyone clings to. Maybe your facts are equally as um, suspect as theirs, but at the end of the day, they're facts, I guess, because they came out of some study or they came out of some, 
academic circle. And then another uh, set of uh, studies with a different set of numbers came out for another uh, academic group yeah. with political leanings. And they cling to theirs, you cling to yours, and no one's right. Or well, no it's one's just wrong. a front. Uh, I consider myself a centrist, a mm-hmm. liberal centrist. Right. But so I, I get very frustrated in those conversations when we can't meet in the middle and actually have that, that moderated conversation. Yeah. It drives me nuts. You can't do that on social media. No way. Hey, let's talk about where you're from and sort of how you got to where you're at right now. Obviously, we haven't spoken about this at all. I'll probably mention it in the, the foreword to the, the show. You're a very good painter. Oh, well, thank you. When I came to L.A. and I had been here for a little bit, you would be sort of uh, the sort of quintessential L.A. artist that I would look around and see and I would think of you as being very present mm-hmm. here. But also the work is really, really good. And I did. I think it was undershown for a very long time. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know what got you to where you're at now. So you grew up here, right? I grew up in Los Angeles, yes. Uh, I was born in West Hollywood. Uh, my parents were both in the entertainment industry. And I stayed here until I was about 18. And then I took off for the East Coast for... Uh, were you ready to get out or were you? I was because L.A. to me was a wasteland when I was a teenager. I mean, I think everyone kind of thinks. How, what year was this? Oh, uh, when I left for college. Yeah. This is 95. No, uh, that's when I left too. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, L.A. Uh, did have an art world. It, it, it always did for quite some time, but it, it kind of felt like a wasteland for any. And of, you knew you wanted to be an artist? I knew early on. Yeah. My, my mother was kind enough to, to set me up with a mentor teacher of sorts outside of my formal school. When you were in high school? When or? I was in high school. I, he actually was like my elementary school art teacher. And he, and he was like, oh, you're a talented kid. You might, have, <laughs> you might have what it takes. What were you good at? I was good at drawing. I, it was like I grew up in a household where my brother and I were generally pretty neglected. So, you know, like as a kid does. You Why? Because of work? Yeah, I mean, I be, uh, long story short, my mother uh, was a, raised us almost entirely on her own because my father got sick when I was about five years old. He had a stroke, and uh, he was incapacitated for another 10 years before he finally passed away when I was about 16. So my mother was basically kind of had a, a very small company at the time of my father's sickness, and then she quickly kind of in a fury, you know, not wanting to lose the house and you know, uh, yeah. support us. Ramped up work. Ramped up the company and it ended up being very successful. And in that time, she was sort of not so available. So she's busy taking care of the company and your dad. And my dad, who was later kind of in, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, oh, special special care. care. Special yeah. care, yeah. Um, so my brother and I were kind of latchkey kids. So, you know, as any kid does, if you want attention, you got to figure out how to get it. So I thought, oh, like when I when my art teacher was like, hey, you're good at drawing. I was like, oh, you were like, that's my thing. Yeah, exactly. You I was like, like I'm going to yes, do that. I, yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I sometimes wonder like, you, you know. You're like, and comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, kid, you're also funny too. You might want to start writing for Johnny Carson. Yeah, I, I like started doing that. And then by the time I was uh, out of elementary school, the art teacher was like, well, I do private lessons. Why don't you just come over and do that my mom was like that's a great idea and painting or what and painting and drawing and he kind of schooled me on art history and taught me a lot about like just basic technique stuff and i don't want to get too far into him because he was uh sort of like 
you know, a very small picture of my life. But it, he was one of those guys that sort of... Sort it's formative. Of, it's formative. Even it, though it's like a small part. Like yeah. It, make, it matters. It definitely... But it took me years to shed some of the ideology that he was... That he sort of... Well, yeah, but like me for Iowa, the same goddamn thing. Oh, yeah. I That's that's an interesting thing that artists and me and other artists never get to talk about, like shedding certain ideas of ideology. Like I remember John McAllister, a painter, said like, there's like a police force in your mind and it, and it takes a long time to sort of like get them to back well, let, down. Let's talk about that a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really interesting because I run into... I, until, in fact, until I came to LA, mm -hmm. it was a roadblock for me. Right. For like the entire time until I came out to LA. And it was all based on this idea of like meeting expectations for other people. Right. Where did you, where, what was that roadblock for you? Like, what were you? I think I was let, when I got, like, give an example. When I was in college, when I got to college, I remember my professors telling me, like, you're really uptight, dude. Like, what the fuck? You're really uptight. Like, you was it, were, you, were you uptight? I was. I absolutely was. I was like, I thought painting should be made a certain way. They should have uh, a certain reverence towards a certain kind of history. I, it, it's almost like a romantic thing. I thought like, oh, you need to, you need to suffer, basically, to make good work. There, like, fun wasn't really a, a huge part of it. For me, it was the idea that what artwork is, is being able to accurately draw or paint the thing that's sitting in front of you. Yeah, there's, there's definitely like sort of that academic um, sort of... Uh, you know, line of thinking where you you know you you have to be the master of your instrument, right? Yes, yeah, and, yeah. And 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 my and my teacher sort of instilled that in me to a point where I wasn't really open to anything else. Like I kind of felt I was never really ready. Like I always thought I was never quite master of my instrument. So when the teachers well, were you'd like, be doing it forever. Yeah, like when the teachers were like, "Hey, you should check out conceptualism. You should check out uh, Mike Kelly. You can take a stuffed animal and throw it on a towel and call that art." I was like, "I, I need I need to mask your. I need I need to dissect a corpse right now, buddy. Sorry." <laughs> You know, like, like I had this seriously, like overly kind of like crazy police force in my mind and it took me years to get so rid what, of it. What broke it for you? I think the breaking point came when I was uh, at least a part of it, I think, was I was a senior in college. I was just about to graduate and uh, my art teacher came out. Uh, that old art teacher came out for the show. Uh, oh, I thought you meant like he was gay. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. This story is fantastic. <laughs> That would have been an amazing This twist. is so rich. By the way, Max, I'm gay. Um, <laughs> and it was the moment that changed all of my art. Oh, my God. So, by the way, so by the time he gets out there, I still really respect his opinion. My work had changed quite a lot. Like, I, I when I was at Bard, I was under the tutelage of Amy Silman. I was under, uh, I, I worked with uh, another uh, really interesting painter named Medry McPhee. Judy Pfaff was there. Anyway, my mind was kind of blown and changed five times over. So my art teacher comes out there. He hates all these artists, would hate their work if he knew who they were. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Which he, he does And he sees my work and he's like, that's very urban. And I could <laughs> tell that was basically a euphemism for sucks. Yeah, yeah. And I was crushed. I was really crushed. I was like, wow. Like, he came all the way out for this thing. Yeah. And to tell me that my work sucked. And... um. And for like a year or two, I just kind of half-assed making artwork after college. So it put you into like a funk completely for making all the work that you were making. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is not, I don't want to say it's entirely his fault either. Like I was definitely like burnt out. Like I was doing crazy shit like my senior college of just like working 12 hours straight in the studio. Yeah. Like I, I was just, you know, pulling crazy hours and just kind of, you know, being really masochistic with myself. And I was just burnt out. So I didn't know what I wanted to do after college. I thought like maybe I should just like, you know, be an accountant. That, of course, like, you know, being an accountant, being a, a band and a, a drummer and a band and trying. Wait, you, you know, were a drummer? 
I was a drum. I was a drummer throughout high school, like not a very good one, but I I ended up auditioning for a band in New York, and I ended up getting the job, and we played a few shows. It didn't really go anywhere, but after kind of being in a relationship with four men, in in a band like and that imploding, I was like, I, this sucks. Like I just rather be in a studio, yeah. and I got a studio and just started making work, and with the idea in mind that I was going to try to get in grad school because not only because it seemed like a goal oriented thing, but also because all my peers who I knew at Bard were already. In already in or, the middle of it yeah already in school already or just like committed to almost getting in or whatever it was that's pretty fantastic that's yeah. a really crazy way to sort of get back into making the work yeah i i mean i kind of like also realized too is like at, you know i guess no undergraduate liberal arts education is going to teach you how to paint like like an academy will do like that's why i went to the glasgow school of art if you want to ask if you yes, want to talk okay, about so, that too yeah i do i do real quick so yeah. timeline real quick you left la yeah in 98 you went to glasgow in mm -hmm. 90 i'm just gonna lay it all out real quick so we get a time yeah yeah here. 98 we went to glasgow 99 you went to bard 2006 you got your mfa out of california right okay so why did you go to glasgow and was that when was that like directly out of it wasn't directly out of la well, no, I was at Bard still. I, I uh, you know, I guess it's customary, like when you're in your junior year in college, like, do you want to do an abroad program? And oh, and so it Selman, was like midpoint. Yeah, and Amy, someone was like, why don't you consider going to the Glasgow School of Art? They do visiting student things. Is that and, the one that started on fire? Yeah, it was. Yeah, the the library area caught on fire, but apparently it's gonna be okay. Like oh, can, some studios for like MFA students. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. So it turned out to be okay. When I, I when I first heard about that, I thought, oh, the whole thing's gone, but it's fine. Um. But Amy, someone was like, you're so obsessed with the academy. Like you really, you, you keep talking about wanting to learn how to paint. Uh, why don't you just go there? <laughs> they do that there. And uh, it was true. Like, you know, they kind of have like a particular way of teaching you how to observe the world and, and render it in paint. And, and I get there and I'm really excited. It's like foggy and 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 exactly dark. what glasgow should be amazing accents that i can hardly understand like yeah. you're speaking english but i don't understand what they're saying I, I, were you was, dating anybody at the time or not i fell in love actually when i was there well you were there i was gonna say it's like yeah. a perfect environment to like it, meet it, somebody with a crazy accent yeah 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 and uh I, so i did all that but uh i get there and they're like we're gonna put you in first year and i was like but i'm what? a third year in college and they're, they're like, like eh, yeah yeah no. well, sorry there's no room for you in third year i felt kind of insulted but i'm kind of glad i was shoved in the first year because like they really kind of like put you back down to the basics. They're like, all right, now you stand in front of this thing and you put your thumb in front of your fucking face and you render the shit out of this figure that's oh, that there. Is intense, and dude. I was like, like, I remember I was alongside this Irish woman that was like, I mean, to my eye at the time, she was like, she looked like she could paint like Rembrandt. I'm sure if I looked at <laughs> I it now, I'd be like, ah, you, fucking <laughs> amateur. But like at, at the time, she had mad skills, like way more skills than me. And I was just like, oh, I want to be around people like this. Right. And these are first years. That's a first year. And you're like, yeah. I was trying to get into the third yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. So I, I went and like I drank a lot of beer and painted. I don't think actually, to be truth be told, I don't think I, I, don't think I learned anything. No, I, I went to Rome. Oh, wow. That's nice. So I did the exact same thing you did, except I went to Italy. And I Did you learn anything? I met my first wife there. Oh, no shit. Wow. Yeah. So we both came over. She's not Italian. She's okay. from Iowa. Right. <laughs> but we, we met in Italy through that program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she also happened to be from Iowa. Well, the program was through Iowa State. Oh, Iowa State. Okay, okay. Through, I was going to undergrad at Iowa State. We both went. Um, she was in like a design program, and I was, but my studio was right around the corner from the uh, Pantheon. Amazing. Yeah. Did you guys make out in front of a Masaccio or something? I totally, probably not appropriate for uh, radio, but uh, 
we made out in the Sistine Chapel in a really inappropriate way. I look back at it, and I'm if there is a hell, I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Michelangelo probably saw it and was like, yeah. It's so romantic, and you're still together. That's great. No, no, no. This was my first wife, dude. Oh, your first wife. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know you were married before. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I okay. was married for like, I did the Iowa thing. I was married for like uh, three years or three and a half years at 21 and then got divorced at like 24. We were separated for like a year and a half or wow, something. Wow, already divorced at 24. I know, right? Yeah, like my uh, lady friend, I fell in love with her hard and then leaving her was really difficult. Because you had to come back? I had to come back. I mean, after six, seven months of being there. Yeah. Um, so it took me a while to shake that off. Uh, my senior year at Bard, when I went for what I was leaving for, was turned out to be really fun. I mean, my art was better, even though I don't feel like I didn't learn anything in Glasgow. Like my art looked nothing, kind of like what I was supposed to be making in Glasgow. But right, you know, figured out. I loosened up somewhat. You know. So then you came back to Bard. You were there for another year. Right. And then you graduated from Bard. And then what did you do? Did you I, stay there or come back? I moved immediately back with my parents for about seven about 10 months i'd say until i got a call from some friends from bard and they're like hey, we got a we got a warehouse space in in brooklyn oh and then you went back and i went back and that's and i and i lived there for four and then years. you played to the band played in the band for that for that period of time yeah and then you came back here for graduate school yep yep and then uh and then the rest is history they, cal arts initially i i got rejected from everywhere else except cal arts put me on the wait list and then a friend of mine said why don't you just write them a letter begging them to let you in and i did and they let dude, me in dude, i got put on the wait list for sva oh, yeah and so i what i did i did something very similar i was down in dc at the time i got put on the wait list i got notified i got into pratt mm-hmm. and then i got put on the wait list for sva and i called sva i got their number i don't know how i got the office number for whoever was working in the goddamn office and was like, hey, they're like, yeah. I'm like, I'm on the wait list. They're like, okay. And I'm like, can I come up tomorrow for a tour? They're like, that's really not necessary. I was like, no, it's totally fine. And they're like, are you sure? And I was like, we got a tour tomorrow at like 9 a.m. If you want, I was like, yep, I'm on the way. And I drove to New York City like four, four and a half hours or something. Yeah. To like go be there, and I'm convinced that that. Oh, I'm sure it helped. did. I'm sure it did. Because yeah, because they- if it's between you and like one other person. Who's and like, yeah, maybe. Well, or or just even you've met somebody face to face and they're not like a douchebag. Totally. Or I'm less of a douchebag. Right. Less. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Persistence, folks. That's what that's what does. Well, that's it. the only thing that's gotten me even to where I'm at right now. Yeah, totally. Me, too. I mean, I, I'm 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 I don't feel like I, I was like. I mean, there are people at Bard that I went to school that I thought just way more talented than me. And Isn't gave, that crazy? And gave up making art for one reason or another. And I, I feel like this this thing is a game of last man standing. I think we probably talked about that. We did talk show. about that. We yeah. uh, This is absolutely what we talked about. Yeah. I sort of want to end this on your practice a little bit and talking about your work, but in a way a little more abstract. You were speaking on... Uh, I've, I've heard you speak about this, but also on uh, Michael Shaw's podcast, mm-hmm. you were talking about like sort of the five cent object and changing that into something that actually had like value and wealth. Like the, you were talking about Mike Kelly and the animal. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So in your work, you're using like bed sheets to paint on. I don't know if you're still doing that. I still am. Yeah. Okay. But also you will have things draped off the frames and you'll have, you'll have other things sort of, encompassing the the actual paintings and everything too. Mm -hmm. You want to tell me about that a little bit? Well, I don't drape as much as I I don't actually drape at all because, uh, I I saw one on a Frasier. 
there was there something hanging off the bottom of the frame. There might have been, and if it was, it was probably because it shouldn't have been. But Seriously? Might have been. I don't remember draping. It was in. in that show. Okay, so if you walk past, oh, the maybe front the, desk the, to the the pillowcase, right, the pillowcase ones. Yes, there was like a little thing hanging off the yes, bottom. Yes, those are the pillowcase ones. Those have some draping happening sometimes, but the bigger ones, like on the actual like flat sheets or top, those sheets, are not. Those are just solid paintings. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I used to I used to drape them at first because I just thought like, oh, why, why? Oh, why? you mean actual drape the painting over sort of the 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 strainer? The, really? The strainer. So it was just sort of hangy. It was just sort of hanging. Like I did, I was in a group show at Night Gallery that um, Laura Owens and Peter Harkowick curated. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made in Space, and uh, that was a while ago. That was a while that was ago. Right when I first moved here. Yeah, that was kind of like just at the point where my work sort of started to shift into the porno thing, and uh, I was draping it at first because I just thought like, oh. Why? Why uh, hide the fact that it's a bed sheet? I got to make sure people know, right? It's a bed and it, sheet, well, which is I so realize like, it's sort of doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, which yeah. is totally funny about those things too. The the sort of obvious movements in the making of the work, mm-hmm. when you make them obvious, are so less interesting. Yeah, I know, I know. I later realized that. you just don't figure it out. But it doesn't talk about like why do you find those like sort of uh, cheaper objects when you, you sort of change them? What what's the why are you drawn to that? Oh, because it has a psychic history to it. Like I I I can't tell you who slept on it how many people did what they did on it and so forth but that mystery really excites me and also the fact that like are you getting from thrift stores or what are you doing thrift stores yeah like oh i didn't know that st vincent's de paul and all that yeah and 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 like i just love the fact that there's all this activity that had occurred on them well before you actually did anything well and it meets the content of the work then too yeah exactly and 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 that's why i don't want to buy new uh sheets just it's sort of doa you know like I might as well just gesso it and then, you know, rabbit skin glue it like any other thing. Yeah. Um, so that was a big draw for me. But it was really accidental at first because I remember one day I was just in the studio and and I didn't have any canvas or linen around. And I saw a bed sheet that I wasn't going to use anymore sitting there. And I wanted to paint a porno picture. And it was just like one on one plus two. Like it's just an it obvious. It just totally makes sense. Yeah. And then from there, it took me a while to still shed like the police force. Like I was like. You know, I remember I was like at first trying to render faces like, you know, really detailed, like a French Rococo painter. Yeah. And I was miserable. I was like, fuck this. And then I was always ever ever in college. All my professors were like, you're better when you're when you're um, when you're not so like obsessed with showing off how good you are. I I had the exact same thing. Yeah. Like my work didn't get reasonably good until I gave up the, the need to express my ability Mm-hmm. And show everybody how good I was at the thing I was doing. Yeah, that like, you were a good, a good uh, worker and a good, a good carpenter. Like yeah. I could, I could do this thing that, like, oh my god, like how does he do that? Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Do you know what was really humbling for me is going to uh, China. I spent uh, part of my graduate school in China, like between years, in Beijing, and everybody there's better than you. Really? Like, technically, they've been. Yes. Wow. Yeah, Just yeah, it's yeah. a given. Like I, I didn't think so, and I'm. I consider my, I was a portrait painter. I consider myself a really good painter. Oh yeah. I can totally see that. And I I walked in there and like, they were having like their graduate show for undergrad Mm -hmm. and it was like a MFA production in uh, Yale or Columbia. It was insane. Wow. The thing that was lacking was the, this sort of freedom of thought, like expression of like going off in different directions. It was always sort of a reproduction of something they'd seen Western Right or or something like that, but the skill level and the skill set in painting and like the in sculpture and all those things, it's just I I realized like I could be doing this for the next 
20 years and just focusing on that and trying to come up with something that was like that good. Mm-hmm. And what's the point? Yeah, totally. Because it's just, that's not what the focus of the work for me sh- should be in my, my process. Absolutely. I said I was going to end it on that last thing. I'm actually going to end it on this. I look at how you sort of handle your practice and how you handle like social media presence, but like also just sort of like being in the arts community here in LA. And it, I think it's, you have a very, uh, and you may disagree with this. You have a very like, uh, sort of like who gives a fuck attitude about a lot of shit, like mm-hmm. in a really nice way where it's like you do the things that you want to do and you produce the work that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you sort of express those values like throughout. And it's, you're not, you're not concerned about the surface stuff. I mean, it's there, but you're not concerned about what people are going to sort of project on you by you just putting yourself out there in a natural way. Sure. Do you know, you mean like, you mean like the kind of, uh, say like thought pattern that might come along with presenting myself as maybe a pervert. Well, no, I actually, no, you know what? I actually, when I was saying that I didn't think about, it. I wasn't thinking about the porn stuff. Oh, okay. I was thinking more in terms of like, you're making the work that you want to make and not necessarily with the content or subject matter, but like you're doing your paintings and you have, I was looking at your website. Mm-hmm. You have paintings from 2003 on there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people would be so concerned about the content level of like what they're showing. Do you know oh, what I totally. mean? Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. I, I got, I, it's interesting you noticed that because I always like envisioned if I ever were to have the honor of being, you know, getting a survey in a museum, like I would want to show all of this, like, like everything I well, made in high school. This is what I mean. You're like unfiltered in this really nice way where I, I cannot be that way. My right. personality doesn't allow me. I'm, Mm-hmm. And I feel when you're looking at your stuff, the way you are is how you're you're presented. Sure, sure. I mean, it kind of you know you can compartmentalize it though to some extent. Like the website's kind of fun because you don't. I mean, I guess I could choose not to include my you know quote unquote immature work, but um, I love having that there so someone younger than me and less experienced can go like, oh, like he went from this to this. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. That's why yeah. I'm saying it. I think yeah, it's yeah. great. We were at that, that flea market together, and your flea market booth was selling old paintings that you had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was... I thought it was genius. That Oh, thanks. Like, it felt so good to do it, too, because, like... Who needs to sit on that shit? I know. I mean, I kept all of it. <laughs> I kept all this shit, and I was like, I'm not going to do anything with did it. Did you sell a bunch? I did. Yeah, it was great. That's amazing. Yeah, and, like, I felt like I was cutting some some cool deals for people and people felt happy that they were taking a piece of whatever I used to do or do now. I mean, it was great. I, I want to do more of those. Like, I hope they do another one next year. It was so much work, dude. I can't, I don't think I could ever do that again. <laughs> it was a, it lot, was of a lot of talking. I remember like, oh my gosh, by the end of the draining. day, my, my throat was sore because I was just talking nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. That was intense. Well, Max, thank you for having me on your show initially, but also thank you for taking the time to come over right away. Of too. course. Yeah. It was super fun to, to be here. I mean, I feel like it's a great service. I feel like you're providing to the to me community by doing this. I think <laughs> anybody who does this is like yeah. <laughs> providing some service, but yeah. 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 Thanks, dude. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.